Man, that first day of sobriety sucked. I couldn't stop thinking about getting high. And that's when I decided it was time to get help. Hi, everyone. My name is Thurgood. Hi. I'm here today because I'm addicted. Boo this man! What's up, you guys? It's me. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I snuck into the learning center in rehab to, to pump, just pump out this recording. So I'm a little on edge. Got my, you know, looking over my shoulder. Cause, uh, it's 1021 at night and our night crew guy, is probably looking at the security camera like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> but hey, you know, I had to get a podcast out. And um, so here we are. This is the the events that unfolded. And I've resorted to sneaking into parts of the building to record for you guys. And yeah, my life is just fucking insane, dude. I'm working. I have a full-time job now. I, I got a job, by the way, so you know, applause to me. Thank you. Um, and it kind of sucks, but it's it could be worse. It pays pretty fucking good, and it's full-time with benefits. So, I mean, considering that I was strung the fuck out for years on end and you know, I can't put on my resume, I'm flipping, you know, 20 pounds of marijuana here and there from Mendo County to LA, I guess, you know, this is, is as good, good as it gets. But the thing is, is like, juggling work, and school, and meetings, I literally have no life beside from that. And then maybe a date night once a week at the most. But it's just like, what the fuck? I don't know how normies do this shit. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, how do people... And, in, I mean, just hearing myself say that, I'm like, I can't believe I eventually became the kind of person where it's like d daily responsibilities are it like flies over my head. Like, how do people do this? But... You know, I'm reintegrating in society and trying to rehabilitate myself. So it's progress, not perfection. You know, I'm sure many people out there are like, what the fuck is up with this guy? He can't handle. Well, look, yeah, and to you, I say, look, working full time alone is is taxing enough. Working and going to school on a normal person is taxing enough. Working and going to school and going to meetings and doing all this recovery shit and maintaining a podcast. I'm fucking busy, man. So just get off my back. But yeah, it's been a little hectic and it's been hard to get uh, episodes mixed down. And I was going to mix down an episode, but 
I kind of scrapped some of it and I just, I was a little too emo because I was just like, oh, work sucks. Oh. <laughs> and I was just thinking, wow, that must have been a really bad day for me. But it's, it's just a trip how my brain is wired to this fuck it, give up mentality. And I had to like snap out of it and be like, you, you stop being a little pussy, Brian. Unk, and just fucking just man the fuck up and now I'm in better spirits and I thought the better aesthetic for the the podcast and all of you listening so what I have for you is very special I found on the last time I went up north on my old desktop computer is the very first nod squad recording that me and Ryan ever did. Now, to paint a picture, uh, we were both in drug court and we recorded this, and I've said this many times, but we were way too paranoid to ever upload our earlier recordings at the time because um, our drug court counselors were monitoring us and, you know, they somehow found out through someone that we were starting a podcast and they were like, ooh, I want to listen to it. And so that made us super paranoid. And we were basically like, okay, we should wait until we graduate ADC and then release episodes because we were talking about all this incriminating shit and we didn't want to slip up and say something that we were doing or had or did while in that, you know, court-ordered drug program that would get us in trouble. So we, we stacked up recordings, but we never released them. So I just found the very first Nod Squad recording we had ever done. And I thought, you know what? Why not release it this week? Because, hey, it's a, it's a fucking, you know, it's a timestamp in history. But I want to also tell right now the story about how Ryan and I got the idea to even start this project, this Nod Squad podcast project. So, because it's a good story in itself, it's a good war story. And I told this story on the Dopey podcast, I think it's um, episode 139 or something. I uh, left a voice message and left like an eight minute story. But I, I realized I never told this story on Nod Squad. So the setting is I'm about six months into the program, right? And uh, when I had gotten arrested, I was dating this girl and we were, you know, getting all strung out together. And I was working at this college and, uh, you know, just taking off whenever I wanted to, if, you know, I thought I was going to get sick or if my plug <laughs> answered the phone. And um, I'd go and, you know, drive my company vehicle off off site and pick up somewhere and shoot up in a fucking company truck parked somewhere, God knows where, and then drive back. And so it's definitely not a good look, but I had to get by because I was like, fuck if I'm going to be sick. And um, it was bad. Like, there would be times when... I was working this job and I didn't even like my phone would be shut off because I wouldn't pay the bill and I'd have to use my office phone because I was a certified pool operator at a community college. So I just would at times just sit in my office 
call my my drug dealer on my office phone and be like, hey, I need to get something and I have this much money. And he'd be like, all right, meet me in Santa Maria. And from San Luis Obispo to Santa Maria, that's like a 45, 50-minute fucking drive. So I'd be like, oh, fuck. So I'd drive all the way there. He'd be like, meet me at the Denny's parking lot. And then I'd be sitting there waiting you know, being impatient, and he would be nowhere to be found. He was on fucking tweaker time, you know? So then I, I, without a phone, I'd drive all the way to a Best Buy, use their fucking store computers to get on Facebook message and be like, where the fuck are you at? I had to drive all the way to Best Buy to fucking message you. And he'd be like, oh, we're right there. And then I'd finally get it. And I remember one time I was just... (laughs) I fucking hooked up. I got some fucking heroin from him and I'm literally waiting to fucking, I'm in my car driving and I'm waiting to turn onto the freeway and I'm cooking up and drawing up a shot. And I I was like going like 80 miles an hour over this bridge to get back to work. And I'm literally hitting a vein and shooting up while I'm driving, steering with my knees and it was bad. But eventually, then one of these times I fucking, um, you know, I got off work and I meet up with my girlfriend and we're, we're my stupid dealer like convinced her to try and cash this check off. It definitely wasn't in his name. And she didn't uh, coincidentally didn't have her debit card. So I had to do it. And so uh, we like go on this whole stupid mission driving him around while we're waiting for him to re-up and make it back to a Motel 6. We have speed, but we don't have any, like, we don't have any heroin. So while we're waiting for him to get heroin, my other buddy calls me and is like, yeah, I got some, I I hooked up some heroin. And I I was like, he got me a gram because he knew I was good for it. So I drove over there, get some fucking heroin, slam a couple issues. And now I'm pretty fucking smacked back. And he's like, you shouldn't drive. You should stay here. And I was like, no, I got to go. So then I just end up driving up 4th Street, like, 10 miles over the speed limit, get pulled over, like, a couple blocks down the street from the fucking, uh, from the Motel 6, right in front of this sober living I had many friends at. And I'm on probation, and they search me, they find the grandma heroin, and arrest me, and, you know, my, my girlfriend at the time, and my plug are, like, messaging, like, where are you, and this and that, and... I'm texting them. I'm getting, I'm about to get arrested right now. And I have a little Bluetooth in my ear. So they call and I hit the button and I'm talking to them on Bluetooth while I'm in handcuffs in the back of a car and getting driven to jail and my car is getting impounded. It was just fucked. And uh, so the cops thought I was talking to myself the whole time because they took my phone. But unbeknownst to them, I'm, I got the Bluetooth in my ear connected and I'm just talking to them the whole way to jail like, oh, God why and I get in there and um you know I know I'm gonna be dope sick and uh I'm in the get I get booked in at like 11 at night or housed at 11 at night and the next morning my side bunkie uh was Ryan and uh he had this fat fucking abscess on his his back of his calf it was like the most dis- brutal disgusting abscess ever and he's just telling everyone oh it's just a spider bite i was like that's no spider bite homie i know what's up and i think our first conversation was talking about like he was talking about train spotting the movie and i was like oh they're gonna make a sequel soon and that's how we kind of kicked it off and became really good homies in there and he was he had been in there for a few weeks and 
And he, we, we ended up going, I ended up staying there for like a week. I go to court and I'm like, dude, I have a job. Like, I forget, I, I think I had my parents call my work and say I had strep throat or something to cover for me so they don't know I'm in jail. But I end up going to court and I work with the public defender and they, they're like, well, we're going to give you drug court because I'd already done Prop 36. And I was like, everyone in, in jail is like, don't do drug court. It's a bunch of bullshit and this and that. And I was just like, well, I need to get out of jail. I'm not going to fucking do my whole sentence. I have a job waiting for me outside. And uh, at first they were like, well, if you test clean, we'll let you out. But if not, we're going to wait for you to test clean. So I tested, I, I literally was pulled in the little side office in the court and would, they gave me a drug test and I was obviously still dirty. It was like the two days after I got arrested. So they're like, we'll come back in like five days after a week. And if you test clean, we're going to let you out and go about your business. So I spent the week in jail with, with Ryan and we got to know each other really well. He ended up going to court and they were going to give him Prop 36, but he asked for drug court because he knew like Prop 36 is the easiest drug program to just fuck off (laughs) and go on the run from. So we ended up getting released. He got released like a few days before me. I get released. And then, you know, the first day we see each other and we're, we're both in drug court. And so that's the story of how I met Ryan and how I had gotten arrested uh, going into jail that got me into drug court, got me to meet Ryan. But about six months into this program, we're, um, we're both in drug court doing the thing and me and Ryan are, you know, being, you know, still really good friends, but they have these things in drug court. They're called mandatory fundraisers or Mando funds for short which are basically like these extracurricular activities they, they make you do. It's like a field trip, and they make you do, go to baseball games or this or that, and you have to throw in 20 bucks on it and you know, give them money to fund these stupid things. And at this time, this particular Mando fund was at this place called Boomers, which is like a miniature golf course in Santa Maria. So we're all going to meet up there and play miniature golf, sober miniature golf. Ooh, you know? So, um, but by the way, I'm still dating this girl, even though I had gotten out and, uh, abstained from using drugs, she's still getting strung out, shooting up, you know, at the, at the beginning, like, you know, when I got out of jail, she snuck over to my house and we had amazing sex. And she's like, I'm going to quit too, baby, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that didn't fucking happen at all. She'd be shooting up in front of me. And I think throughout this time, I was like kind of distancing myself from her because I can't be around dope, like, because I will use it. And if I get a dirty test, the drug test, I will go to jail and I will get kicked out of the program and have to max out my original sentence and my parents will be pissed at me. And so I, I was just like, I can't have this. And I, I don't, I'm already like on thin ice with my job. So I was just like, fuck dude, I have to really not do drugs right now. But everyone in drug court was taking uh, Kratom. So I've taken Kratom many a times and I was like, Oh, you guys can get away with that. All right. I'm going to take Kratom too. Cause literally like, I was dealing with so much. I was working, going to fucking groups at fucking in the evening and just like meetings and and all the bullshit they make you do in this program. It's really intense. 
So I've been distancing myself from my girlfriend because I don't want to be around her. She'd literally be shooting up in front of me. And then, you know, on the same time, I had caught her cheating on me a couple times. And so we'd get in arguments about that or, you know, I would try to break up with her and she would literally like start cutting her wrists in front of me and like trying to kill herself. Like I've talked about this a few times. There's a, a... there's, she she would self-harm in so many different ways. Like, so part of me was just fucked in the head. Like, okay, I can't, br- I f- at the time I felt like I can't break up with her because she will kill herself. She's come damn near close trying to kill herself before. And so I just kind of would not hang out with her, but I would hang out with her every now and then and we'd still have sex, but I knew she was cheating on me, you know, in different multiple occasions. So, so then, um, basically (laughs) we're gearing up for this Mando fund and I get off work and, um, a bunch of people in drug court are calling me for a ride to this Mando fund. Uh, one of them was my friend, Sean, we called him Sean Boofy. Um, I don't know why we called him that. I think we just gave him that name because we we told we made fun of him for boofing I don't know I don't even know if he boofed but we just liked calling him Sean Boofy and then my friend Billy now Billy was supposed to be the animator that would animate our war stories um into cartoons for YouTube but that never came about uh shout outs to you Billy wherever you are uh hope you're doing good but they both live in Morro Bay and my girlfriend lives in Morro Bay. And my girlfriend had hit me up and was like, I need a ride to downtown to, like, probably score dope, I'm sure, you know. And, um, or who knows what the fuck she was doing. At that point, I was just like, do whatever the fuck you want to do. I have to, I have to stay good. <laughs> and so I get off work in San Luis at this college. And Morro Bay is, like, right there up north from San Luis. So I go... I pick up Sean Boofy, I pick up Billy, and pick up my girlfriend, and now we're driving, and my girlfriend's just in the back bitching and complaining about God knows what, you know, like, why don't you have cigarettes or some shit? (laughs) I was like, whatever, dude, like, I don't care anymore. And so we drop my girlfriend off in downtown so she could go do whatever the fuck it is she's doing. And now we take off and we're on the back on the freeway. And I was like, all right, we're on our way to Santa Maria, guys, but I'm going to stop by my house in Arroyo Grande because it's on the way. And I'm going to get some Kratom because everyone in drug was like, you got any Kratom? You got any Kratom? Bring some Kratom to the Mando Fund. I was like, fine. Okay, I will. So I, And I, I wanted to drink some and, and just take the edge off because I was just like god dad, shit I deal with like what the fuck anyway stop in my house and Billy's like make me a Kratom drink so I was like okay fine so I go make myself a Kratom drink drink it and then I make some for Billy Billy chugs it real quick and I, get a, I have a big bag of Kratom in my car and we hop back on the freeway to go to Santa Maria and go to this Mando fund now We're on the 101 southbound, and it just turns into deadlock, like, traffic, bumper to bumper. And I'm like, fuck, we are going to be late for this Mando fund. So I'm just trying to get through there and get there on time because I know we're going to get in trouble if we're late for this stupid Mando fund. And all of a sudden, I look 
in my rearview mirror, and a motorcyclist is just just fucking taking off between the cars, going super fast, just passes us, like super fast. And I heard Billy go, oh, fuck, that's Kane. And Kane was um, one of our friends in drug court. And then as soon as I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks like Kane, another bike just flies by our cars. And we're like, oh, fuck, that's Scott. And Scott was another friend who was in drug court. He's been, Scott's been on the podcast. And so I'm like, why are they fucking going so fast? Like, what the fuck? And I look in my rear view mirror. I see uh, red and blues, cop, cops with their lights on and their sirens behind me. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I immediately thought, oh, I'm getting pulled over. But so I get over to the right-hand lane, pull over this uh, to get out of their way or to see if they're, you know, what's going on. And they go right past me. And then another cop car goes past me and another cop car goes past me. They all have their lights on. And so it, you know, finally clicks like, oh, fuck, they're Scott and Kane are on a high speed chase and the cops are chasing them. Apparently what had happened was uh, Scott and Kane were like, yeah, let's meet up and we'll, we'll ride our motorcycles to the fucking Mando fund. And they're racing down some street and the cops see him and they start tailing him, trying to pull him over. And they, you know, being the, the motorcycle enthusiasts that they are end up, um, (laughs) fucking going, just trying to outrun them, which it results in multiple cop cars trying to stop them and they're chasing them. So we're, you know, looking down the freeway and there's just all these cop cars fucking trying to catch up to them and then I was like oh my god they're running from the cops fucking idiots dude and then I look on the the other side of the freeway on the northbound side and there's cops on that side too and there's just cops everywhere and so finally I see a a exit down the road like a quarter mile down the freeway it's called Los Barros they both get off Scott and Kane get off the freeway on their motorcycles and one of them goes left and one of them goes right and all the cops are going after him. And um, I think Scott took a right and Kane took a left. Now, if you go right on Los Barros, it goes backs you on a, there's a back road that it backs, tracks you back to AG. If you go left, it's a back road that goes, you know, further south to a town called Napomo. So I think most of the cops took a right and went after Scott because that's still in their jurisdiction. So from what I've heard from them, Scott is still running from the cops and his brakes lock up, so he has to pull over. And the cops catch Scott and they arrest him and they're like, who's your friend, who's your friend? And so Scott gets, you know, taken, caught by the cops, picked up, arrested, taken to jail. Kane goes all the way up to Napomo, parks his motorcycle at some gas station as soon as he makes it into town, throws the helmet off and starts walking down the street calling his friend. They're like, I need you to pick me up. I need you to pick me up. So we're like, holy fuck. But we have to get some Mando fund still. So we we go and um, we're just like keeping our mouth shut because we don't want to blow up their spot. Kane ends up calling our counselors who are at Boomers. And he says, I'm going to be late. My car broke, is break, like broke down or something, makes up some excuse. So while, you know, Kane is like getting a ride to the Mando Fund, 
we're there, we're playing arcades, trying to do go-karts and miniature golf and all this shit. And all these cops swarm into boomers and are looking for uh, our drug court counselors. And so they find them and they're like, have you seen Kane and blah, 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 asking all these questions about him. And uh, it, it was fucking intense. And while this is going on, you know, my friend, all my friends are like, yeah, let me get some Kratom. Let me get some Kratom. So I'm constantly going back to the parking lot in the car, scooping out Kratom from my big baggie and pouring it into like water bottles for these guys. And they're all drinking Kratom like super fast or pouring it in their soda cups or whatever. I hand out Kratom to everybody. <laughs> I'm just like the Kratom kingpin. And I'm just like wheeling and dealing Kratom like I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but now we're all loaded off Kratom. And so Kane ends up getting there, you know, our probation officer's there questioning him. Corey's like giving me the stink eye because he sees me handing fucking vitamin waters and stuff to people and it's like green, like dark green. It's Kratom. So he knows I'm handing out Kratom. Billy at this point is just sprawled out on the grass so high on Kratom. He's like about to throw up. And he just my our, our counselors never let us live down that day or never did. They they told us it was the worst day in drug court history. Yeah, two people running from the cops. One got arrested. One is lying about where he's been saying, "No, I wasn't on a high-speed chase. You got me handing out Kratom to everybody." Billy's practically throwing up in the bushes. <laughs> it was just bad. Um, I don't don't get interrogated on that sp- particular day, uh, but in the future I would get. Eventually, everyone would get popped for kratom. But at, at the end of the our stupid Mando Fund golf day, I'm walking out into the parking lot to vape, and I see Ryan there, and he's like, "Hey, dude, we should do a fucking podcast." Because we were all just telling war stories anyway, and we all had crazy-ass stories. And I was like, yes, I've been thinking about the exact same thing, Ryan, and we should call it Nod Squad. And so, thus, Nod Squad was born, and that's how we started this fucking silly podcast of ours. And then we, yeah, we would do recordings and uh, not release them. (laughs) So stupid. But we, we sat on a bunch, and Ryan and I did a few, and then I would do some with friends, other friends in drug court or here or there. And then I didn't end up releasing anything. And then, oh, yeah, Ryan went on the run. We both, me and Ryan both relapsed while we were in drug court. I somehow got away with it, which I can get into in another episode. And Ryan went on the run, turned himself in, went to the rehab I'm at now. I ended up graduating drug court and as soon as I walked out of the courtroom with my certification to completion I go and start shooting up again getting into all this other insane shit overdose so bad I need four bottles of naloxone to revive me and uh ended up reaching out to Dave from Dopey and being like dude I just overdosed and it was bad so he has me come on Dopey and he does a phone interview with me and by then, I hadn't released any episodes of Nod Squad, so by that point, I'm like, well, fuck, I'm already shouting out Nod Squad on Dopey. I might as well release an episode. And so that's when I started releasing episodes, and I just did a fresh live update one for episode one. I'm like probably a few days clean, just 
God, just sounded god-awful. And that's how we kicked this off. So now we're sitting on a shit ton of old recordings I have to sort through in this unorganized laptop of mine. But that is basically the story of how Nod Squad was birthed and conceived into the world. And I mean, we've, I mean, so even though we've been having episodes out for about a year now, we had started recording almost like a few, like over two, three years ago. Um, and that is the story. So with that, I have to get the fuck out of here and mix and master this for you all. And then I have to go to bed and go to work tomorrow. <laughs> It's fucking weird, dude. Yeah, it's hard to juggle all this shit together. But sorry if this is a fast and cluttered one. But this is, I'm segueing right now into the very first recording of Nod Squad. I hope you enjoy it. I do, I mean, the, um, I didn't know anything about mic technique at the time. So you'll probably hear my banging of my vape on the counter or me vaping. But, um, I hope you guys enjoy this one. It's a very special, special episode. And uh, with that, I have to get the fuck out of here. Sorry for the rant. I love you guys. Thank you to everyone. I want to give a shout out to... um, Fuck, who do I want to shout out? Right now, I want to shout out Alexandria, Megan, Catherine. Um, I want to shout out those three right now because... Those are my homegirls. I talk to those three more than my actual sisters. And they always help me get through the struggles of everyday living. You know, they they call me on my bullshit, tell me when I'm being a little bitch and a man up, and to just get over it, stop being a crybaby. So thank you uh, for that. And um, I, I'll do more shout-outs next week's episode. I'm just fucking so unprepared. <laughs> But with that, I love you guys. Uh, please, you know, leave an iTunes. Can we get some iTunes reviews, please, you guys? If you're listening and you like this podcast or what we do and you haven't left an iTunes review, please, if you have an iPhone, if you could leave an iTunes review, I would so greatly appreciate it. I will love you all forever regardless of what you do. But that, please send us an email or message our Instagram page or message our Facebook page or message me on my Unc Albert page or, you know, just little likes and, you know, just hit me up and uh, I hope you're all doing good. Hope everyone is, you know, getting through the fucking struggles of fucking everyday living because I know I'm feeling it right now. But when that first paycheck comes, stoked. Anyway, I love you guys. I'm out. And as always, peace, love, and all the above. This is our first trial run for recording, so 
If it sounds a little unorganized, it's because it's two recovering junkies trying to talk about our history. So don't judge us too hard. Um, we started this just as a goof. Um, we met in jail and we thought what better way to talk about our drug use than how we both met in jail. So we're going to start with you okay. and just tell, just tell a good story about how the last time you got locked up and went into the county and got processed through the system because I think it's pretty entertaining to say the least. Okay, well, my, my story when it comes to that all, all began at the end of 2015. <laughs> I was given an opportunity um, right after exiting a rehab facility in San Francisco. What rehab was that? Salvation Army, ARC, oh, located Jesus. in the Mission District. That's a rough, rough rehab. It was pretty rough. They had us working anywhere between 10 to 14 hours a day, uh, mandatory. We had Sundays off, but their idea of off meant that we had to go to chapel in the morning and continue our recovery outside their walls. Uh, you know, there was no, there was no time for ourselves really. It was all about working the program and providing them whatever they needed in order to turn a profit for their own establishment. And anyone who doesn't know, Salvation Army is a really godly, God-influenced kind of rehab. It's free. Heavily influenced by God. It is free. Well, if financially it's free, but you pay for it through <laughs> your blood, sweat, and tears. Yes. Because they work you to the bone there to, to supply and support their thrift stores in that surrounding area wherever they... Uh, rehab center is located but I may I managed to uh, make it uh, successfully through four months of their six-month program and two months before graduating I decided that I had had enough of their version of recovery and that I was okay to uh, leave and get go back out to the streets on my own well I so came, you signed out oh I, I walked out <laughs> I, there was no signing out I left and came back home to San Luis Obispo County where I was notified that my girlfriend at the time had met somebody else. Wait, how did you get back to San Luis? That's like 200 miles or so. Well, I, I spent a week and a half homeless on the streets in San Francisco. <laughs> I slept in Dolores Park, met a lot of interesting characters, which there is a whole story that I could tell in just that period of time that I won't go into now. But uh, to say the least, I didn't feel safe there at all because I wasn't. And I was broke, homeless, had no phone, no money, no hope. Um, I managed to get in touch with my girlfriend who was very hesitant on helping me get home considering she had already decided that she was leaving me for this Jesus. other guy. <laughs> but she didn't tell me that when I was up there calling her. She she sent me money uh, via Western Union to get on a train and come down here. And then instead of her picking me up from the station, her grandmother picked me up. Oh, God. And allowed me to go back to the house since they weren't going to leave me on the street here 
But once I got to the house, then my girlfriend broke it to me that she was not my girlfriend, that she was somebody else's girlfriend. So me and her, that was a rough situation, and I managed to stay sober for about three days once I got back, and then I decided that, you know, what's the point? Uh, everything that I worked for in rehab is gone, and I found her grandmother's stash of wine, <laughs> and I proceeded to drink about a bottle to two bottles of wine a day while her and, my, and her grandmother were out working or doing whatever. Nice. Yeah. Um, then, of course, in a drunken stupor, I got in touch with all of my previous dope dealers, and they were more than happy to get me, you know, back on the streets and high as fuck. Um, How'd you get the money for all this dope? Uh, at, at that time, I was just begging for money from her grandmother. Her, nice. I was able to manipulate her grandmother into giving me $20 here and there, which, you know, I had been clean for almost six or seven months at the time, so I didn't really have that big of a habit yet. But I was on Facebook, and uh, an old friend that I grew up with contacted me. Knowing She knew that I was uh, struggling, and I needed help to get back up on my feet. And it turned out that her uncle uh, has a big pot farm up in Northern California, uh, in Mendocino County. Yeah, that's just about to say, Mendo County. And he invited me up to, to come spend about a month in a cabin deep in the woods in Mendocino County, um, trimming the about four to six hundred pounds worth of weed that he had grown uh, that year. Jesus. And I went up there, spent 30 days in a cabin, uh, about an hour and a half from civilization via a dirt road up into the mountains. Uh, I was given an AK-47 and a handgun to, to watch over the place. And uh, he would bring me food every other day. He would drive up the mountain and bring me beer, bring me food, and make sure that I was doing okay. Um, I had a couple other guys staying with me, so I wasn't all by myself, but we just hunkered down and spent the next 30 days like trimming weed for about 14 to 16 hours a day. And anyone who doesn't know, trimming bud is that's a lot of work. It's really arduous, if that's even a word, I don't know. That is a word, <laughs> and that doesn't, I mean, that begins to describe it, but yes, it's hellish. It's like the most tedious, painstaking endeavor that one can take you have little trimmer scissors and They're like sewing scissors almost you basically and you have these sticky resin covered buds that you have to handle all day and thc is horrible once it gets on your fingers once you get that yeah pulled up, and then you scrape the resin off your fingers and you get finger hash you get scissor hash yes and it just it sticks to everything if you rub your eye, you're done. Your your eyes will burn for hours after that. There's nothing you can do, do about it. You think you'll get high off of the THC going in your eyeballs? I don't believe that. I don't think I got high on it. That's the pain in the ass today. If it was water soluble, maybe, but it wasn't water soluble at all. Not That's at what all. made it so impossible to deal with. Yeah. But long story short, I I left there. Uh, he paid me $150 per pound that I could trim, and. Wow. I managed to get myself up to trimming about three to four pounds a day if I really, what? if I really like stuck it out. Oh, there was no break time. There was I ate and would use the bathroom, but all the rest of my time was spent listening to the Howard Stern show yeah. and trimming. Now, when you say 150 per pound, is that wet bud or dry bud? 
Because it's a lot more if it's wet. Oh, so it started with when I got there. Uh, before we started doing the fine trim, which is what I was getting paid to do, yeah. he had me help him uh, go out to the crop and actually like flock the, the stems, take all the big branches off, and then we... Yeah proceeded to take those to the upper uh, level of the cabin that we had up there and cure those on racks. And so we let them dry. We let each like you know, branch of weed, whatever you would call that. You pull the water leaves off first. Oh, though. absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then we, we, we'd hang those up and leave them for about four to five days. On the stem? On the stem. Okay. And then once those were uh, ready to go, then I would take those down and we would do a process called bucking, where you take the big stem and you break all the buds, like with the leaves still, like the little leaves still around yeah. them and everything, off the main stem, and you throw that into a bucket. Okay, that's the bucking process. Yeah. Then, once you get done bucking, uh, then you would go into the fine trim, which is where you would take those those rough buds out and trim all the all the leaves off. And, you know, it's to get a good trim, you have to know what you're doing. You can't just like hack at it, you know, like like you would. A, a plant in your garden. You gotta like look at this thing up close and trim all the little leaves the leaf off. tips. Yeah, the little protrude leaf out tips. of the buds. Yeah, and then um, after you know each bud would take about two to three seconds. Once you got your, once you got the routine down, the method down, you could you know trim yeah. it. Boom, 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 and then throw it in a bucket, and then that's what would get weighed at the end of the day. And uh, so I made a total of like almost to the mark ten thousand dollars cash. For the month? For the month. Jesus. In one month. Yes. And that was nothing. I showed up late in the season, but I'm getting to that. <laughs> so, uh, I'm now this homeless heroin addict who is coming back down to his hometown after losing everything with no hope and $10,000 in my pocket. And now I essentially feel like I can do just about anything, which at that time, anything for me was as much dope as I could get. And girls and hotel rooms. And so with $10,000, I could afford to do all those things. So I got uh, myself a suite at the Oxford. Spent about a week in there with a girl that I had met uh, at a Deftones show just before I left town to nice. go trim. And I proceeded to spend the week with her squirting heroin up her butt. What way? You squirted heroin up her butt? She was in anorexic, like severely anorexic. <laughs> and she wanted to shoot up. She watched me shooting up, and I said, no, I can't let you shoot up. That's going to potentially so kill be you. Because she's anorexic, she wants to put it in her butt? I offered to, to shoot it up her butt because I thought, <laughs> in my convoluted mindset, that that would be a lot safer <laughs> than, uh, than just shooting her up directly. And so that's how we did it. I'd break the tip off my syringes. <laughs> And uh, spit on my fingers and what? get it up there. And, no. Yep. Red Rover, man. It was okay, a, so how long does it take to hit you? Come to find out, it's, actually, it's almost identical to shooting up if you squirt it it's up. It's almost instant? Yeah, the bioavailability is <laughs> just about the same, and it's just as quick. Your butt, in, your butt instantly absorbs it directly into your bloodstream. And you actually have a lot more blood going into your butt than you do in just one singular vein. So it's probably, what? you probably get higher. Wow. Yeah. yeah, just so you don't know, you can absorb a lot of drugs through the butt, apparently. But I don't advise that. I would rather just... I would highly advise that. It's, 
I used to I used to plug Adderall up my butt all the time. <laughs> but you got to go two knuckles deep. You got to make sure it's two not gonna <laughs> gotta make sure it's not gonna pop out on you because then you're just wasting stuff, and that's no that's no good. That's a finite process right there. Yeah, it's quite fun. <laughs> that's another story for another day. Um, so let me see. Let me tie this back up. Um, so you're in the Oxford, and you're squirting heroin up her butt with your old. Yes. Syringes. Right. Okay, so carry on. So that that went on for about a week and a half, and then I decided that I didn't want to spend all my money on the hotel room, and I went uh, back to the streets and started just living in the bush and using... And in I what can, town? Uh, or William Grande. Oh, five okay. cities. Five cities, Central Coast. Central Coast, California. Central Coast is like dead center between L.A. and San Francisco. Yeah. Like, it's not Northern California. It's not Southern California. It's Central California. You're about three hours from any major city. Yeah. And you got just enough people here to make it enough fun to stay here. It's not a... It's like... It's a smaller city, but it's not like bumfuck nowhere. There's a good... There's good town areas and downtown areas to go. And it's not hard to get drugs in this town. I mean... It's just like anywhere. There's a heroin epidemic in every fucking city in the country right now. So getting heroin in this town is not hard. Especially if you're a junkie. You want it bad enough, you will find it. What is hard is getting quality heroin, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, anyways, I spent the next year homeless on the streets. And uh, around September... I had already spent the ten thousand dollars long before. I the and only the, thing of value that I used that money for was a Camaro, and the rest of it all went to pretty much dope. And it was all fun while that lasted. But once I was broke again, I had to start resorting to doing, uh, uh, you know, more criminal uh, ventures to to acquire the drugs that I needed. <laughs> so of course, in September I. My friend had given me a ch uh, couple of checks that he claimed had uh, been given to him by a lawyer he had worked for. And I looked at the checks, they were personal checks, and they said, you know, the law offices of such and such person. <laughs> and he, the guy had filled them out and put, you know, the amount on there and signed them. And my buddy told me all I had to do was uh, go cash them and endorse him, you know, myself, and I could get the money. Now, I didn't, I was so messed up that I didn't question why I had to be the one to cash these checks, you know. Of course. If they were give, if they were written out to him, why didn't he go cash them? But you're not thinking about that when you're strung out. You're thinking, no. here's a way to get money, and I want to get high, or I need to get well, like, right now. So you really don't question what the implications are, the risks. Like, when you're strung out on heroin, there's a part of your brain that, like, contemplates risk factor, and that part of your brain completely shuts off to where you don't think about consequences or risks at all, and if you do, it's, like, so deep in the back of your mind, you're not really giving a shit about any repercussions or risks or getting caught. Your main objective is scoring and not being sick. I mean, I've definitely 
put myself in some risky situations and not thought twice about it because my main priority was getting well. And you definitely will do anything to get well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so carry on. So I went to the bank and went ahead and cashed the first check. He gave me two checks. The, the first one I took to my to my friend's mom's bank. Uh, my friend had gotten her mom's ATM card and I deposited the check directly into her mom's account and then pulled the money out against the check and all was well. I got well that day, didn't have to worry about using again for a couple days because I got about $300 out of the whole deal. But the second check, when I ran out of the money from the first one, I had the second one and it was a Saturday. Ooh. And uh, <clears throat> my friend's mom did not have, uh, my friend's mom had gotten her ATM card back. Mm -hmm. So I walked into the bank in a rush because I, you know, the bank closed earlier than normal since yeah. it was Saturday. And I rushed down there, totally dope sick, totally in a, you know, sick fit, ready to go. And didn't think twice about just walking right up to the clerk, signing the check and handing it to her and telling her I needed to cash that check. Well, I happened to go to the same bank that the lawyer whose checks those were banks at. Oof. Those checks had been stolen. They were reported stolen. They hadn't been reported stolen, no. The, actually, the lawyer had no idea they had been stolen. But what they did have on record at the bank was the lawyer's actual signature, and which they you know, were able to pull up on their computer oh, and wow. compare to my buddy's forged signature of the lawyer's on the check. Ugh. And they instantly saw that the signatures didn't match, and they looked at me and one look at my face and they could tell okay this guy's up to something <laughs> shady and with a desperate look in my eye i told him oh yeah i'll just wait for the cops to show up and because i have nothing to hide i was given this check they told you the cops were showing up they told me the cops were coming yes oh my God. and i had the, i had an option i could leave the bank and <clears throat> hop in my car that i had driven there and drive away and be seen on camera both leaving the bank and then driving <sighs> away with which the cops would have found me in no time. Yeah. So I decided just to plead my case and try to prove my innocence. But it's hard to prove innocence when you're guilty. So yeah. I basically ended up in jail that day. And Ooh. as soon as I went to jail, I spent uh, two weeks there and got out. And the first thing I did was go and get high. Of course. And I was right back out on the streets. And now the cops in... in the five cities they knew my face they knew what I was into they knew what I was doing so I kept getting arrested um, I got arrested a second time um, because I was pulled over with a friend who's who had a taillight out oh god and oh, I had was... a bench warrant for not taking care of uh, I think it was registering as a drug offender I can't remember oh yeah they make you do that I had a, I had a bench <clears throat> warrant for that and so I went back in for like four days, got out, went right back to using. And then, uh, what was third time? <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, so <laughs> I got invited back up north to trim. And I convinced a friend to go with me because she had a car and I didn't. And I, what I happened to your Camaro? To drive. You oh, the car, the car got him. Yeah, the Camaro got impounded when I was... Uh, when I got arrested the first time and I couldn't pay to get it back. So 
now my friend wants to go up north with me and trim. And this time around, we were going to go up at the beginning of the season. So we stood to make about $40,000 each. Jesus. And we drove up there. And we planned on getting clean. We brought Suboxone and some Xanax. Nice. And got up there, spent one day up there, and trimmed for that day. And I planned on staying, but my friend was uh, very <laughs> sick. And she was not willing to take the Suboxone. She just wanted to get high again. And of she course. convinced me to come back down here and ride with her while she picked up some black. And we uh, went ahead, t drove all the way up north, drove up north, made our money for that one day, made about <laughs> 500 bucks. We worked our tails off, and then we drove back down, picked up at 4 in the morning, and... Fuck. You went and trimmed for one day, made 500 bucks, and then drove all the way back from Mendo County down here, which is like a four or five hour drive. No, it's more like a six hour drive. Six hour drive. Just yeah. to cop and then just go and then go all the way back up to trim. We tried to cop in San Francisco on the way down. And it was about two in the morning. And we went to Golden Gate Park and we found a group of homeless kids. Yeah. And I went right up to them and asked them, like, hey, man, where's all the heroin at? And they told me that they only had Molly... And yeah. acid. Well, yeah, Golden Gate Park is full of hippies, and that's where you get psychedelics. But if you want to get what they call chiva or black, you got to go to the Tenderloin. Yeah, there's no way I was going to the Tenderloin at 2 oh. in the morning. Oh, I've been at the Tenderloin. I've never, like Dave Chappelle said, I've never seen cracks smoked so openly yes. ever than at the Tenderloin. Like, they just smoke crack on the sidewalk, and they don't care. They do everything right there on the yeah. sidewalk. I've seen I've seen a woman taking a shit on the sidewalk in the Tenderloin at 10 in the morning. I've seen people shit out syringes on the Tenderloin. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah, and then stick them back in their arm. <laughs> so we couldn't cop in San Fran, so we were forced to come back to our hometown, which was better anyways because I had phone numbers to people here. Of course. Somehow I, I got a guy to wake up at 4 in the morning and, and drop me off a gram of heroin. Sweet. Me and her proceeded to shoot that up, and then we had sex in her car behind the Oxford Suites, which was located right next door to a Denny's restaurant. And Wait, is that in Grover or AG? Or That's technically Grover Beach. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's Pismo Beach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, she's, she falls asleep in the back seat, and I went uh, ahead and called Denny's because I was hungry, and place an order and I drove over to their parking lot to sit there and wait for my order to be ready and I started to pick at my face which I did all the time when I was using were you on just heroin or were you also on I had done a goofball oh did of course a mix of meth and, and heroin for, yeah for those that don't know goofball is a mixture of meth and heroin shot up Speedball, which is always thought was weird that a speedball is coke and heroin. Right. Well, it says speedball and a goofball is meth and heroin, but whatever. It's <laughs> Druggies don't make any sense. <laughs> no. Nor can we expect them to. Logic is not a key factor in... in anything. Anything. When you, yeah. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> um, so... You're picking at your face in the mirror. Oh, I'm not just picking at my face. I have the tweezers out. I am... Like dismantling my face. <laughs> my face was a problem that needed to be solved, and I decided that a pair of tweezers was going to solve it. Jesus. And I am sitting there now. The sun has started to rise. Okay, the lights hitting the ground, and wow. um, I'm still I'm so close to the rearview mirror 
that I don't even notice uh, Pismo Beach PD pull up in the parking spot oh. directly across from the car I was uh, sitting in the. Were they right behind you? No, they across. They were sitting across. So my. So they're right in front of you. They were right in front of me, and I was so, like, enthralled wow. with picking my face in the mirror that I didn't even notice him pull up. Apparently, he sat there for about five to six minutes and watched me pick my face. <laughs> and then he came up in broad daylight with a flashlight in his hand and tapped on the window. <laughs> and I was so screwed up that as soon as I heard the tapping, I looked over and all I saw was a guy standing there with a flashlight asking me to roll the window down. I didn't put two and two together and realize it was a cop until I rolled the window down, looked him dead in the eye and said, what do you need that flashlight for? <laughs> it's the middle of the morning right now. And he instantly was like, get out of the car. You're on drugs. Don't even try to lie to me. And uh, went oh ahead and arrested God. both me and the girl. I went in and ended up having to do 23 days. And she got let off the hook with a ticket. Wow. But only because I was on probation and yeah. I had bench warrants. Once again, I only, I run around with bench warrants. It's just what I do. Yeah. So I'm in jail. And uh, I was about 20 days in. And my buddy Brian here <laughs> came strolling in. As dope sick as I've ever seen anybody. <laughs> And I'm going to turn, the, uh, I'm gonna turn attention to him now. Let him tell oh, his story. Your story made me cringe so fucking hard. That's just, oh, God. Because I know what it's like to deal with cops, and it's not ever, it's never a pleasant experience, but... Even in sobriety. No, yeah, even in sobriety, it's horrible. Like, the anxiety comes, you're freaking out. Even if I have nothing to hide, I freak out around cops. And they always say, well, why are you so nervous if you have nothing to hide? And it's like... You're a cop. Like, I have every right to be nervous. They'll put you. You could put me in a jail for anything, like a crumb that or what. I don't know. Anyway, okay. Last time I got arrested, so I was. Well, first off, I had just graduated off of Prop Thirty Six, and anyone who doesn't know, Prop Thirty Six is a drug program <clears throat> in California. It's really not that, uh, it's not that strict. Like, I got away with a lot of shit in Prop 36, but towards the end, they're like, I would use during Prop 36, but I would just, what they happens is you have a color coding system, and you have to call this phone number every day, and I think my color was like white or lavender. I think it was lavender, and then they moved me to white because... You call every day and they say today's colors that are testing are chocolate and peach and you know butterscotch. They have all these weird named colors and if they call your designated color you have to go in to the drug um, programs building or whatever and you have to go and take a, a piss test. And so if and there was a few times I was just like fuck it I'm going to use and then unfortunately they'd call my color. And I would say, well, fuck it, I'm just not going to show up. I'm not going to test dirty. Like, I'll just not show up. And I would call my drug counselor and be like, oh, I, 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 had, a, <laughs> I had a few dents in my car from previous use where I'd be driving and I'd nod out and, like, bump into the car in front of me. Pretty typical. Yeah, I, that's happened to me a good three to five times. Like, I'd be at a stop a stoplight and I'd be nodding and then I'd see the 
light turned green and I'd like gave it too much gas and I would tap. I, it was not a rough like rear end, but it was a good tap, like dented my bumper in. So I had all these dents in my car. So I could easily just, you know, say, oh, I got rear ended or a car hit me. I can't, I, I'm late for testing or, oh, I got a flat tire or, or whatever. And, and I did that a good three or four times in a row. Like for a good month, I'm just calling and <laughs> not showing up to testing. And they're finally, they just took me off of testing. And so when I was finally good... Wait, they took you off of testing, meaning that they got so fed up with you. <laughs> yeah. They just, I went into test one day and they're like, you're not on testing, you can't test. So I had talked to my counselor and then they actually changed my counselor to a different counselor who was way more strict. Like, what the fuck? And she'd be like, what the fuck's going on? You're not showing up to testing. Like, I'm changing your color from lavender to white. And so to graduate from Prop 36, I had to... Um, I had to get like 12 clean tests in a row to graduate. So I was like, fuck, I got to get off Prop 36. So I cleaned up my act and I gave them as many clean tests as I needed and I graduated. And during this time, I'm dating this girl who I was friends with it online for the longest time and she lived in Ohio in this town called Youngstown and it's just a ghetto, fucking ghetto ass place in Ohio. And... Um, she ended up, I ended up flying out there. How did you meet her? Well, first is on Facebook. I had this really... You just started searching people in Ohio? No, no, no. I would... I used to get fucked up off Oxys, and I would just flirt with girls. Wait, on, people get high on Oxys? No way. Yeah, yeah. Well, it took a long time for me to transition from Oxy to heroin, and I had a big fear of needles, but... I eventually made the switch, and we'll get into that later, but uh, I would either be doing some kind of opiate, and I'd be blasted on opiates, and I'd be flirting with like three or four different girls on Facebook, just just sweet-talking them, you know? And a lot of them were from other towns and stuff, and it was really bad, and then it ended end up blowing up in my face, because other girls would find out I was talking to other girls, and it was just, uh, it was just so bad. <laughs> I, I, met, I met I met a lot of chicks on Facebook and and a lot of them were crazy. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm like a magnet for crazy girls, and <laughs> I just do date the craziest chicks, bipolar, borderline. Oh god, and that, those are stories within itself. But I met this girl, and we were both in different relationships. But then we both were single, and she wanted to come to L.A. or, or come to California, and. Uh, I was working this job that I still have. I don't know how I still have this job, honestly, because I would get so fucked up on the job, but my boss would be, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be watching me, so I could get away with a lot of shit. But anyway, I flew, I took like a week off. While I'm on Prop 36, I took a week off, flew out there, and before I flew out there, I, I, in, I drive to LAX, which is... At, is LA is like 180 miles south from Central Coast, but I fly out there, hit up my dealer, Jose. <laughs> his name. <laughs> yeah. Great name for a dealer in case Jose, any of you are yeah. looking for a name. Javier, Jose. Javier, Juli that's a Julio. Solid I had a Javier. Yeah. So he could get, he would always have like five different drugs. He'd have black tar, he'd have this China white which he called the magic, which now I know has definitely got fentanyl in it. it probably was all fentanyl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really strong. Then he had, um, he used to have this uh, shit, like pure fentanyl that he called like the MAC-10 for a while. 
Yeah. So he had all these different types of heroin. The Mac-10. He had really good, like, fish scale Peruvian flake coke. Oof. And he had speed, or ice. Lovely. So I go, I hit up uh, Jose, I get a couple bags of black, and I get, like, four bags of coke. And I go, and I do a gnarly speedball in the parking lot of LAX, and I go in, and I, you know... Everybody knows I'm fucked up. I'm like sitting there tapping my feet, like singing to myself. People are staring at me like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Falling asleep and then jolting up with all the energy <laughs> yeah. in the world and then yeah. falling right asleep. Yeah, fucking around on my fucking computer, listening to like just music that you listen to when you're high. And I get on the plane, Spirit Airlines, which is just like the ghettoest airline you could get for cheapest price. And I fly to Ohio and I go out there for a week. I trip on acid and Molly and um, hang out with this girl and we party up over there and then fly back to LA and I got dope waiting for me in my car. Beautiful. So as soon as we fly back, I'm like eager to get to the car. We shoot a speedball and drive around LA and then drive back up here. And I'm like, all right, I got to clean up because I got to finish prop. You know, like I have enough time. <laughs> you still want to be responsible. I'm trying. Like I'm trying because I know like I got it. Like I told I requested a week off. So when I got home, I had like a good four or five days to clean my system. So I was like, all right, I got to I got to cut this shit out. And um, we go and um, she's staying with me and I go back to work and I finally graduate out of prop. Um. And I'm able to smoke weed again. It's, you know, all good. So you remained clean uh, long enough to, to graduate? Yeah. I got, like, 12 clean tests under my belt. I graduate. I'm stoked. I'm, you know, smoking weed and trying to, like, just smoke weed. And, um, you know, eventually, like, I, don't, I wasn't working a program. And I eventually, like, and she, she used too, so... We ended up, you know, finding connects in, in San Luis and, you know, it, it was just a weekend thing at first. And then obviously that never lasts for no. long. No, no. And, um, yeah, so, and then we make it, like, we, we go on these, like, like nice vacations. We go to San Francisco for a weekend and get acid and we go to, we have a story that me and her went to L.A. for another weekend and I don't know how we, like, lived like that's a story in itself. I'm surprised I'm even alive after that trip to LA with her because I was trying to keep up with her, and she she just kept wanting to oh, go and fucking I so blacked out. I don't know. I must have a guardian angel because I was on the brink brink of death. But anyway, but the acid wouldn't let you die. It just no. Well, the acid is a different a different time altogether. But anyway, we um we're using and she eventually we get her to get her own um she gets we i save up some money and help her get her own apartment so she's living in morro bay i'm working in san Luis, and we're eventually getting fucked up every day you know using every day i'm at work you know shooting up i would like i would like literally take my lunch off work hit up my dealer larry <laughs> you know Larry. I know Larry. <laughs> we, have, we have established that we both knew Larry. And um, I call Larry, meet up with him in downtown San Luis. Sometimes I'd have to go all the way to Santa Maria mm. on my lunch. And no one was, like, keeping track. I didn't have to clock out for lunch. I could take my lunch 
drive all the way to Santa Maria, which is like 45 minute drive. I was going to say, how many miles is that? From San Luis to Santa Maria? That's a good 45 minutes at least. Yes. And then I'm waiting in like a Denny's parking lot for him and he's lagging. I, you would score off of Larry. Sometimes I wouldn't even have a phone. And I have to go to like a Best Buy, get on a, a computer and log into Facebook and be like, where the fuck you at, man? I'm like, and he'd be like, oh, okay. And then we'd meet up. I'd score from Larry. And I'd literally be driving back to work. And while I'm driving on the freeway, I'm cooking up a shot. I'm fucking got the belts around my arm on the freeway, steering with my knees and fucking oh popping Lord. a needle in my veins and red, like shooting up while I'm driving on the freeway. Like while I'm like further enough for like far enough away from cars where they can't see me, but they probably did see me. I can only imagine like this Mormon family in a fucking van, like looking over and seeing me drive like 60 to 80 miles an hour just fucking registering in my arm but then well, I'd make it back to work I I was only supposed to get an hour lunch I'd, I'd be gone for like two hours show back up just blast it out of my mind and no one would, would say anything they didn't even know I was gone so I got away with a lot so anyway I had scored when, uh, or I either had scored or I'd already had dope and I'm at work shooting up and I would literally like I would hide my drugs from this girl and she would be like, are you high? I know you're high. So eventually I had to start sharing with her. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but what I would do is I would cook up the shot and then I would do the, the majority of it and then I'd have a loaded shot for her that was watered down and be like, oh. here's, here's your shot. And then she'd be like, oh, plenty of times. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because, you know, we're savagely like... You're spending all the time and money. Yeah, on doing I'm the that one working. Crazy stuff. Yeah. You ruined that poor Mormon family's life. <laughs> And so you deserve. I deserve a, a little bit more, you yeah. know. Anyway, um, I'm using at work all day. I get off work and I go meet up with my girl to get more. And I go to her apartment and we do a rinse to hold us off. Okay. And if you don't know, like anyone listening to this should know, a rinse, a cotton rinse is when you have you're drawing the dope through a cotton to filter it, but a lot of the dope gets collected in the cotton and if you water it down and like push on it with the plunger you're getting a little bit extra dope kind of watered down but it's enough to hold you off from sickness and so I generously do, uh, share my rinse of like four or five cottons with her and then we're just to get us enough energy to figure out what our next move is and so we're like alright let's hit up Larry so we go and we're picking up Larry at like a, like a job fair or like a staffing like place because he's trying to find a job and because he's home, you know, he just got kicked out of his apartment and um, she tells me this scheme uh, that Larry had. It's not even, I didn't even know it was a scheme. I'm so strung out. But Larry, what had actually happened is Larry, right before he got kicked out of his apartment, he got... Uh, something in the mail from the previous tenant, which was like a check from like an insurance company or something. Checks. Yeah, it's another che another check, another check fraud. So, but I didn't know it was check fraud at Anybody the time. Anybody out there using still, just a word of advice. Anything to do with checks uh, is very I would stay away from. It's a felony. It'll get you a good thirty to ninety days. Yeah, you don't you don't want that to happen. But because it, it'll be bad on your record. But so my girlfriend at the time is like, yeah, 
um, Larry's got this check and he says if I help him cash it, he'll give us like two, three hundred bucks out of like a thousand. It's like a thousand dollar check. And I'm like, fucking straight. Like I'm running low on cash and we could use that money. So we meet up with Larry and uh, conveniently for my girlfriend, she forgot her bank card. So now the pressure's on me to go to my bank and co-sign it or whatever and put it in my bank and I'm looking at this check it's not it doesn't have Larry's name on it at all and so I'm like kind of questioning it like okay why I'm like Larry why is this check not have your name on it and he's like oh it's I don't even remember what half-ass excuses he was all methed out anyway and same thing happened to me the yeah I didn't have any clear-cut answers for me and yet that didn't send up a single red flag that just I had like show. it was more like a yellow flag, like. But then that yellow flag, <laughs> when you think, oh well, if I just decide not to do this, then I gotta go find money for my dope some other way. So then that yellow flag turns into a green flag. Cause oh you're yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna just cash this now and take advantage of it. Exactly. So, he's making up these excuses like it's my son's check or it's my. My kid's check or it's like the uh, Larry's not my real name. This is my real name. <laughs> You know, or what? I don't even remember. I was so fucking out of it. I just he could have like, said anything. He could have said that that check was written out to my dog, and you still probably <laughs> yeah. cashed it. So I'm like, okay, well, you're gonna have to walk in the bank and show him your ID, and then I gotta show him my ID, so they can clear it. They're probably not gonna clear it, Larry. And he's like, no, no, just put it in the ATM, and I'll sh I'll sh prove to you it'll work. And I didn't know anything about check fraud, so I'm like, all right. So he forges the name and then I co-sign under put the fucking thing in the ATM and it clears and I'm like oh well it works so it must in my fucking junky mind I was like that it's got to be legit or else it wouldn't it would have just spit the check back out so oh, if only it worked that well yeah <laughs> so we could only cash out like 200 bucks at the time and um, I cash out the 200 and give it to him because I guess Larry had like was in debt with his supplier and needed to get cash to pay him, pay off his debt to get his car back or something. I don't he, know. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That piece of shit car he was driving. That's another story. Yeah. <laughs> so that car is a story. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so I'm like, okay, well the rest of the check will clear in like a few days and I'll get more money and he's going to get us high off whatever he gets. So I'm like, sweet. And um, we go to Santa Maria, and we're waiting on his guy, and that turns out to be, it doesn't fall through, and I'm like, well, what the fuck? So then he calls someone else, and it's in Grover, and he ends up getting, he was staying at, like, really ghetto Motel 6s, and anyone who doesn't know, like, Motel 6s are the druggies fucking paradise. Absolutely. You know, that's where a lot of people and dealers rent out rooms and just get fucked up, and it just known that's where you go if you have money and not know nowhere to stay you go skip you go get a motel six so we get to the motel six and he's waiting on his supplier and i'm like fuck dude this is taking way too long i want to get fucked up and he has meth but i'm like eh, i don't really want that i want heroin meth, meth doesn't help when you're dope sick no and it's like meth is 
good and dandy when you sprinkle it in with the heroin, but if you're wanting, if you're a junkie, you don't want to do just meth. It's not, you know, it's not what you want. You want heroin. So then my buddy, I call my, butt, my other buddy, Josh, and he's like, yeah, I'm get hitting up my, my, my dealer and I, you want me to get you something. So I'm like, yeah, get me a gram because I can get really good grams for like 80 bucks. So he finally calls me. He's like, I got it. Come over. So I'm like, all right. I was like, uh, to my girlfriend, I'm like, you stay here and wait for it with Larry and I'll go pick up this gram. So I drive to my friend's house, get the gram and I'm immediately cooking up shots and I'm shooting up and, um, you know, I did like two or three shots and I'm like, all right, I feel good. And my buddy's like, come and like stay and play video games for a while. And I guess he was trying to get me to stay because he knew I was fucked up. And I'm, I play like Tiger Woods on the PlayStation with him, which is super fun to play when you're fucking high. I don't know why. I don't even, I, I don't know why golf is so entertaining to me, but. Golf's a great game. Yeah. I mean. On any level. Yeah. Clean, sober, high, yeah. sober, whatever. Yeah. So I play a round of Tiger Woods on the PlayStation and then I'm like, all right, I got to get going. So I, I have a loaded shot up for her. And I put my hype kit in my backpack, and I don't really think about hiding it. I put it in my backpack, and backpack's in my front seat, and I take off. And um, my mistake was I didn't take side streets to get to the Motel 6. I just go straight to 4th Street in Grover. And anyone who knows Grover, 4th Street is just such a fucking big trap for cops to hide and catch people, because it's a major road. And I'm driving up 4th Street to go up and over the hill to the Motel 6. Which is located right next door to the Denny's where I was arrested. Yeah, and I was going to the Motel 6 that's right next to the Denny's you got popped at. So I'm driving and I guess I was going 45 in a 30. So immediately I'm almost to the top of the hill and I see red and blue lights behind me. And I'm like thinking, oh, that guy's just going to go around me. He's not going to pull me over, so I, I pull over So because I'm thinking, oh, he's going to go right by me. Well, I haven't done anything wrong. Sure enough, he's pulling me over. You know, he's asking me questions. I'm high out of my mind, and he's asking me questions, and um, are you on probation? And unfortunately, even though I graduated out of prop, I'm still waiting for them to process me out for probation, so oh. I'm, still, I'm still on probation. I met so many people in jail that had that story. Oh, it's, it's a... Cops cream dream to pull someone over on probation because it's just oh, I'm gonna search you I'm gonna find something and that's an easy arrest to make my quota. Can't do anything about it. Nothing. So pulls me over and I step out of the car and they search me and I'm trying to like be like yeah I work at this college you know and you know I'm I'm a good good kid kind of like I'm trying to butter him up and let him know I'm a good kid but I'm probably look my pupils are probably just pinned. You know, so they, and they're not idiots. So then they, they search my car. They go through my backpack. Actually, they look at my paperwork and I, I'm, I'm trying to stash this hype kit in my backpack so they won't find it. But eventually they pull my backpack out. They find it and I'm in fucking, and all the while I'm texting my girl, like I'm getting pulled over by the cops. I'm about to get arrested. And they eventually find my hype kit and they put me in cuffs and put me in the back of the car. And I have a Bluetooth in my ear, so I and but they have they the cops have my phone, but I have a Bluetooth in my ear. So my girl calls me and my Bluetooth is ringing. So I 
with my hands, like behind my back, I managed to beep the button what? on my Bluetooth in the back of the cop car. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm talking to my girl. She's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm getting arrested. Oh, my God. Oh, you're crying. Yeah. Yeah. I was you're crying, too. So emotional. Because when you get really high, you get really emotional Absolutely. over the littlest of shit. But this is like major to me. I'm like, oh, my God, my life is over. And they, you know, tow my car, impound my car. And they drive to the station in Grover just for, did do, I don't even know what, but the cop's like, you're going to get, cop's scaring the shit out of me. Like, you're going to get a transporting charge. I'm like, transporting? Like, I'm this is for personal use. It's one gram. Like, what the fuck? And he's just trying to scare the shit out of me. And all the while, I'm talking to my girlfriend. I'm like, text my parents, tell them I'm going to jail, you know. Uh, and all the while, we're driving to San Luis Obispo County Jail. And I'm talking to my girlfriend in the back on my Bluetooth and the cops thinking I'm talking to myself, you know, like he thinks I'm crazy, but I'm just like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? My life is over. And the, and then finally, when we get to the county jail, he's like, Oh, you have a Bluetooth in here. Is this what you were using to talk? And I was like, yeah, they, they take me to the county. <laughs> Did they get mad about that? Or? Actually, he didn't really care. I, I mean, they That's did. Funny. They did get mad at me when I couldn't piss. Cause right when I go in to get processed, they're like, "I want you to piss for me," and I'm like, "Dude, I don't know who the fuck you think I am, but I can't piss on demand. And when I'm really, <laughs> when I'm really high, it's really hard for me to piss anyway. Uh, like it's. I don't know about you, but it's really hard for me to piss. Uh, there were times where I had to really concentrate very, very hard just to, just to piss. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, I can't piss, and they're really like, "Yeah, you can. You can piss." You're, you, and I'm like, dude, I can't piss. Like, I don't know what you want me to tell you, but I'm not able to pee right now. I can't. I'm not one of those guys who can just piss on demand. And they're like, oh, so you're giving, you're saying it's a refusal. And I'm like, I guess I can't piss. Oh man. So don't you he, love how they coerce you into agreeing with them, uh, say what they what they want you to say, do what they want you to do, so that ridiculous. way they can trump up your charges. The, yeah, anything they want to do. The guy was just a dick, you know. Well, he's a cop, and that's what most cops, cops are. Most cops are dicks. There's yeah. there's a few cops that are cool, but they, I mean, they'll still arrest you if they, like, in today's day and age. Like back when I was growing up, cops would would catch you with weed and they would just take it and let you go. But now that they have this quota for like these privatized prisons, they're not. They're fucking taking you in for whatever. So even if they know that they're just gonna take you in to basically book and release you where they cite you out as they say and they hold you in their cell for three to four hours get you worked up and then they let you fly with just a ticket but they've already ruined you're your still whole, going to holding cell yeah which will ruin your whole week if not your whole month or depending worse. on how you're treated yeah and in that time they're really hoping that you say enough to sink your own or somebody else's ship which oh, yeah. they can really uh, take and, and do something with. And fuck you royally. Absolutely. So I'm getting processed, and the, and the cops in the jail who are processing me are pretty cool, and I'm like, you know, going over all these conspiracy theories with them, like, you know, this is fucked up, you know, you guys have, like, privatized prisons, and you have, uh, 
these contracts to keep the jail full to a certain percentage and that, you know, regardless of how crime rates fluctuate, you still have to make arrests and that's fucked up and they're like, oh, I guess you're right. You know, they're just fucking going along so with it. So they're that. agreeing with you. But they still have a job and they're not going to let me go or anything. Absolutely. So I get put in the tank, which is like a holding cell before they put you in and I'm like, well, I'm still kind of high. Even though, like, I'm scared shitless, and I'm like, I have to be at w- This is on a Monday. I have to be at work the next day. Oh, so Lord. I'm, like, talking to my dad, like, just tell, I'm like, call my work, tell them I have, like, strep throat, and I'll be, uh, I, or call in sick or whatever. Oh, that's perfect. You know? So my, my job thinks I'm sick. And I finally meet with, like, the guy at the county jail who, like, chooses what, what classification classification exactly and they're like well you've never been here before and i'm gonna put you in a 800 because there's no politics in there and blah 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 and i'm like whatever dude like when am i gonna get out of here and they're like i don't know so i get my shit and i go into 800 and uh this is like 12 30 at night everybody's asleep you know you're you're fucking passed out in your bunk right next to me and um, Oh, yeah, all the drugs were already well out of my system. Yeah. I was sleeping like a baby. I mean, I was pretty high still, but I knew I was going to be sick in the next coming days. So I'm like, well, this sucks. And uh, some some dude who had, like, cauliflower ear fucking helped me put my little sheet on my fucking mat. And, like, there's two types of mats at that county jail. There was the big, <laughs> yeah. thick, you had a big, thick-ass tan one. I had the gels version of the Tempur-Pedic. Yeah, yeah. And I had the green... The, the, and those are hard to find. Those are, like, rare. And I'm everyone not even wanted sure one. If, we were, if I was supposed to even have a tan-colored one, I'm pretty sure those were meant for the people on, in the better parts of the jail, the Honor Farm. Yeah, well, I had a green green mat, which... And, and, like, all the foam had been ripped out of it for whatever. So it's basically, like, a flat... I might as well have been sleeping on the bare metal of the you fucking You had a bunk. green trash bag. Yeah. Mattress. And it was just not comfortable at all. So, and then I remember the next day I'm dope sick and I see you and you're talking to someone about train spotting. Like, have you ever seen train spotting? <laughs> and I was like, oh, dude, they're making a sequel to train spotting. And you were like, no way. And that was like our first conversation. And nice. then you showed me like the county jail like the way of what goes on and it was pretty chill i mean i went to court the next day and they were like well if you can test clean for us right now we'll let you out today and i'm like thinking well it's the day after of me using why would they even give you that option that yeah, is so how, why ridiculous. would they think i mean maybe for some reason it wasn't mine and i test clean they let me off but I tested and obviously it showed up positive for opiates. So they're like, well, come back in seven days and when you test clean, we'll talk about releasing. Because I was talking to um, public, defender. public defender and I'm like, dude, I have a job at this college. I'm a good kid. Like, I need my job. If I lose this job, I'm just going to go out and get high. And they're like, well, let me see what I can do. Talk to probation or the judge. And the judge is like, well, come back in seven days and if you test clean, we'll let you out early. So I was in there for like seven days. And I tested clean, and then they released me, but they're like, you have to go on to drug court. And drug court is a much stricter drug program than Prop 36. And we'll, I think the next episode, 
we'll talk about drug court and what it entails and how shitty it is. But Ryan and me, I myself are currently on the drug court program, which is just fucking insanity. Prop 36 is a minor inconvenience and uh, just a constant annoyance to anybody that is still you know, living well within their using careers. Yeah, but drug court, it's like, you have no room to fuck around. You cannot drink alcohol. You cannot uh, smoke weed. You have... You, you get can't even rest easy if you're doing everything right because there's still so many things that can happen that can send you back to jail uh, even if you're doing an honest program. I am paranoid about even using mouthwash I have Listerine in my fucking bathroom, and I'm uh, paranoid. It's non-alcoholic. No, because... it's alcoholic. Oh yeah, if you swallow, if you accidentally gargle with that and swallow a drop of it, I mean, I don't know how much it'll take to register, but uh, the labs that that process our drug tests, I mean, they use the gas chromatology or yeah, whatever you call that. And an enzyme apparently is produced out of your liver when you drink alcohol, and it if you drink or consume any alcohol that enzyme it'll be produced for like th- at least three days that's out of control that's so i'm paranoid just to gargle listerine out of fear that i'll get a fucking false positive for alcohol it's out of control it's fucking crazy so i feel that the fear that they uh put on us in drug court can't not possibly be conducive to uh a program of recovery for anybody who really wants to be clean. I, yeah. I can tell you, I've been working this program as straight up and forward as I can, and yet I still have this constant, uh, this constant fear looming oh, over man. me that it's all going to come crashing down around me if if I make one single mistake. Oh, I've developed a severe paranoia personality disorder over any little even when i know i'm clean and i'm testing i'm like oh god like oh absolutely like what because you in drug court i mean we'll get into this next episode but you go to court there's four phases and when you're in phase one it's the first 90 days you go to court every friday see the judge and the judge basically goes over your program and it and if you do anything wrong, you're going to get what's called a sanction, and you're going to at least do a couple days in jail or have to, like, write an essay if you miss a group session. Oh, you hope for an essay. You pray and, for the and essay. And eight hours community service. But if it's worse, you get two days in jail, maybe four days, maybe if you have a dirty test, nine days. So, And every time we go to court, someone's in the box getting a sanction almost. I you almost know? feel that it would be easier and more peaceful to live a life being monitored by the FBI <laughs> than going through drug court with your probation officer always at court every Friday to oversee the judge's uh, decisions and then your counselors that you share all of your personal information with oh, that God. you do or do not necessarily want the judge and your probation officer to know about sitting exactly. there alongside of them. And you know that just prior to you going into court that day, the three of them are all sitting there together reviewing each and every individual's case beforehand so that they can all come to a decision on exactly how they're going to handle and manage each person's uh, situation. And there's like 50 people in drug court right now. And that number's counting. 
But yeah. We'll get into that next episode. Yeah, so basically, I thought you were going to be put on Prop 36, and the next, after I got, you got out like a couple days before me. I volunteered myself into drug court because I, I knew I'd just be coming right back to jail a fourth time Yeah, if I didn't to have a more stringent program because I couldn't hold myself accountable to getting clean. I needed the fear that I'm talking about now hanging over Ugh. me for the first month or so, but now that I've been clean... We've uh, both been clean for like four to five months right now. Yeah, we're almost at five months right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I I got... I went to court. I tested clean and they released me that day. I went back to work and said, oh, you know, I had strep throat and... Um, they said it was highly contagious, so uh, I couldn't go into work. I didn't want to get anyone else sick, and they were totally cool with that. Thank God. And I that's all a lie, to, right? You of, didn't of, have oh no, I did not have strep throat at all. Uh, but and then the following Friday, I went into court and I saw you there with your fucking bow tie, all fucking because you have to dress nice for court. They it's a requirement: button-up shirt, nice court shoes, slacks, and I'm I roll in all fucking fucking ghetto with my fucking work uniform on and I'm like what the fuck is this you know and I'm like oh what's up Brian what is this shit show yeah I'd never what did I sign up for cause I thought prop was gonna I thought drug court was gonna be like prop and it is way worse everyone told me oh drug court's fucking hardcore <laughs> good luck and a lot of people were like oh I'll see you back in here in a month dang and we've made it almost five months it's impressive oh yeah very impressive but I think the fear is what I mean, it sucks being fear in fear and fear. Yeah, kids kept me from from relapsing because I don't want to lose anything that I could, I almost lost before. That's a good yeah. episode name for the next one: fear and loathing and drug court. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we'll call it. Um, but yeah, what the fuck? We've been talking for like an hour. I think that's a good first episode. We'll wrap it up here. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out right now to uh, old Billy. Our Billy is uh, our good friend who's also in drug court. He's going to be the Nod Squad animator. He um, is an LSD addict, which is peculiar. Wonderful. He's it's peculiar. The- he's a peculiar individual, but he's a really good artist and animator. And... Just shout out to Billy because he is currently serving a sanction for... Is he still in jail as we speak? I think he's getting out today. He may have gotten out right now at 2, but to start his new job on Monday. We'll give him a spot on the show to talk, tell his story. Yeah, shout out to Billy. He he got a sanction this last Friday for testing dirty for Kratom. And I want to do an episode all about Kratom and and the Kratom gang. The Kratom Gang. Yeah, I love this. Kratom, we'll call that the Kratom Gang. I don't know how detailed we can get about that. We'll keep because everybody anonymous. We'll just describe uh, the the whole We need to have, a, when referring to drug court stories, we need to keep that as confidential as possible because we have a confidentiality uh, within drug court. We're really not allowed to discuss anything that happens in drug court, at least while we're in drug court. Because if we break confidentiality... It's like dry snitching. Yeah, and we'll get kicked out of drug court and be forced to do our maximum sentence, which I don't you even... You won't be hearing any episodes coming from yeah. us in that time, that's and, for sure. And, yeah, if, we, if there's any reason that one of us or both of us disappear for and don't upload an episode, it's probably because we did get sanctioned and had to do uh, two, four days in jail. 
So it's kind of exciting because you never know what our fate will be. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll stay sober and continue to run a good program and uh, we'll upload every week. But um, we're like, like we said, we're still in drug court, so anything is possible. We're in really early recovery. We have like 120 days, a little over 120 days. So, you know, the cravings are still definitely there. So um, we're going to try and have a sprinkle of recovery in this uh, podcast. But I mean, it's called the fucking Nod Squad podcast. So it's definitely going to have a lot of war stories. We're going to try and get other guests from Drug Court or other friends tell their stories. We're going to have um, animated stories. Um, we'll have uh, a YouTube channel where we our narrated stories on here will be animated into cartoons if Billy ever gets out of jail. If uh, Billy ever gets out of jail. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of like, wow, it's been like an hour and 12 minutes. Yeah. Pretty burnt out telling these fucking insanely crazy stories of debauchery and being a junkie. Um, next episode, we're probably going to get into drug court and what that has been like um, and how how hel- either helpful it is to our sobriety and, and also the bullshit that it entails. And detrimental, yeah. So um, stay tuned for episode two of our Nod Squad podcast. We're uh, doing everything we can to get this thing up and running. We'll try and get out an episode every week. Um, hope you're all doing well out there. If you're strung out, keep your head up. Uh, and um, you can always do... You can never do less, but you can always do more later. So when you're doing that first shot, kind of like make, make a tester shot. Harm reduction is always key. You know, don't you, you can never take back what you've already put in your veins. And uh, we have a lot of overdoses going on. We've in this lost country. a lot of friends this year. Yeah. About so, ten and counting. Yeah. So be careful out there. Uh, if you're clean, you know, keep your head up as well. Find a meeting if that helps. Do anything that helps. If you're having cravings, we're right there with you. Like, sometimes I can't even stare at my own arms because I'll see a nice pipeline-looking vein. Oh, yes. A nice juicy vein in my arm, and it'll just make my mouth fucking water. And I'll, you know, go back. I think You know what I think is, like, the cooking process is almost as satisfying as... Absolutely. Like pulling that plunger back and seeing that crimson red blood mix oh, with the <laughs> that 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 smoky look of the blood entering the water and when you smell the dope and you f- smell that vinegar when that's you know oh, the sugar that some guys like to tote around here oh, i'm i'm fucking triggering you i'm triggering everybody i'm sorry so we would like to thank our listeners uh <laughs> it's thanks to your guys' support that we've been able to make this possible so if you have any ideas for future episodes, please don't be afraid to write us. In the- oh, yeah, we're going to set up an email, um, set up a website, get this on iTunes. We're doing the best we can. I mean, we're two recovering junkies, so you can't really expect the most professionalism out of us, but we're doing what we can. Yeah, if you expect professionalism, uh, I don't think you'd be selecting a podcast called The Nod Squad. But if you did, <laughs> just know that it's not our fault. It's your own. So you'll have to move oh, on no. with life. And, uh, it's, it's nobody's fault. We're, 
We're just two recovering junkies getting by. God, we're just rambling. Sorry about our unprofessionalism. Hope you forgive us uh, and stay tuned and have a, a great day. Don't die. Yeah, don't. Then you can't get high. I like that. All right, peace. Thank you.